Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, this is where you can go ahead and uh, crack open that pretty little bulletin our team made you and uh, follow along in the Bible app, your version note. And we are in uh, the, the later part now, getting to step into part four of our series we called Hopscotch. And so couldn't help but notice the big old hopscotch uh, on your way in. And we've just packaged this pretty serious series uh, with a more lighthearted um, theme because some of these things, we, we just, we avoid them. We haven't got over these things for a reason, and it's because we don't like to deal with it, that we just don't like to deal with these different things. So let's go ahead and let's look at our, our lead idea that in Christ, nothing should hold us back in our growth to know God better and to trust Him more. Um, and it's time that we get over some of the stuff that holds us back. Uh, now, uh, last week, I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to go over into Kids Church. And so I got to preach across the foyer over there and be with the kids, and it's a blast. And so I absolutely enjoy it when I get to do that. I try to do that a couple of times a year and get over there. And um, so uh, Keenan did a great job last week. And so uh, Keenan did a, a good, good job on, on carrying on, on looking at how to get over opinions, and in particular negative opinions. But we kicked this series off with getting over self and just dealing with ourselves. Because the truth is, if we can't start there, we, we, cannot, we cannot move forward. And I, at the end of the service, um, at the end of the teaching time, our kids... Uh, ministry always has time for the kids to come up in prayer and they have prayer partners over there just like we do at the end of every service then today's service we'll have prayer partners will come up and they can have prayer requests so your kids are getting the opportunity to go to God in prayer and so I was up front I was one of the prayer partners and so this uh, sweet little guy comes up and he has some prayer uh, prayer requests for me so I'm sitting there ready to pray with him I was like hey buddy what is your what's your prayer request and he said um, I just want to thank God for making me. And I was like, how amazing. How amazing. He just wanted to thank God that God made him, that, he, that he's alive, that he's a creation of God. And I was like, man, absolutely. So, man, I just, we just held hands and we prayed and we thanked God for just simply making him. And it was, an, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. So we were so thankful for that. And... And in that, um, I was just reminded that is what it should look like. When we really get over self, when we really get over that, then, man, we are at that point, we are, we are free to move forward. When we, when we look at self and we're just like, God, I'm just thankful you made me. I'm just happy to be alive. And, and that's where we want to be. We want to get restored to our factory settings. And that young man was at his factory settings. We pray that he just walks in that the rest of his life, the way God meant us to be. And we looked at getting over hurt. And then with Keen, we looked at getting over opinions. And then this week, we're going to look at the next hurdle in life. And we've been jumping at it from Romans 8. Romans 8, 37 says, Knowing all these things, all the stuff of life, everything that chunks at us, and it chunks some mess at us along the way. And all these things, we are more than conquerors 
through him who loved us. I love the more than conquerors. And I point this out every week because it's not just that it's not just barely skating through, just barely getting through. It's not somebody who's been more than a conqueror didn't just survive the ordeal. They didn't just come off the field and narrowly get a, a buzzer beater victory. No, this is, this is when you're more than a conqueror, you walk through it with strength. You won with strength. And God has called us to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. He goes on to say, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, whether height or depth or anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, so many different things would try to disconnect us from, from who God is and what he has for us. And that growing as a child of God means letting nothing stop you from living the full life that Jesus provides, not even the disappointments of life. And there's not a single one of us sitting in this room that has made it this far without dealing with disappointment. Some of us, significant disappointment. Knock the wind out of you. Knock, just knock you on your rear disappointment that you had plans. You said this is the way things were going to go. And man, and they just, they just, it just overwhelms you. And then other things, little life disappointments, stuff that other people don't get, but it's just it was important to you. And other people don't understand it, but it was important to you. And so there's some places where you feel like you can't even voice your disappointment because other people are going to think it's petty. And other people think it's going to be frivolous and silly. But it's a big deal to you. And there are these different things in life from stuff that everybody goes, Oh man, I saw this on Facebook and I know this wrecked your world and I'm praying for you to other stuff that maybe we just have, feel like we have to walk through alone because nobody's going to understand. That nobody's really going to get this. And the truth is that there's some things that just hit people different than others. And some of them it can seem a little bit humorous, a little bit funny. Um, on uh, with the, the Clarks go out of town, the Clark family goes out of town, then inevitably, if we're out of town for any length of time, we're looking for a Chipotle. So not everybody loves Chipotle, but most of the Clarks look for Chipotle. I can make everybody's order. I could go in to order. I know what I'm going to order. I'm going to go in. I'm going to tell them uh, I, want the, I want the bowl. I want the brown rice. I want the black beans. I want the barbacoa. I want the cheese, and I want to eat it. And that's all I want. Don't touch it. Don't add anything else. I know I can order for Cutie. I know what she's going to want. I can order for Brooklyn and Lulu. They're going to order Whataburger. I know that I, I, I got their order down. I know exactly what they're going to get. And so and we can go in, and, and I, can, I can roll through, and I can take care of everybody's order. And I know, I know, I know. You know, you say Chipotle, you know. Burrito's always like, man, you're going to catch something. They're going to kill you. Now they're accused of you using child labor. I don't know. Maybe those little hands pull the barbacoa apart really good. I don't care. <laughs> but it's good. And I'm going to eat that barbacoa. It is some good stuff. But in the world of burritos as big as your head, then there are Chipotle and then there's the other one. Uh, called Freebirds, and yeah, yeah, and so uh, my buddy, my buddy Roy Zesh had told me about Freebirds, 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 and so finally we decided, uh, Roy will probably listen to this podcast at some time, and Roy, you're wrong, 
Um, but he said, free birds, free birds. And so we decided one day we were going to do free birds. Now, there was, we chose the wrong day. This was just a really bad day. First off, we were out of town on Cutie's birthday, and she likes Chipotle. And she wanted to go to Chipotle. And we're like, well, let's try free birds. And she said, no. And somehow the group did not listen to her brilliant leadership. And we went to free birds. The other piece is it was her birthday and she was pregnant. So there's hormones. There's all extra stuff going on. I can't even begin to understand. And so, but we go to free birds. So we go to free birds. And she, her, her mouth was set on Chipotle. We go through free birds. The people at free birds weren't very nice. They needed to go through Chick-fil-A's training. They were not nice. And so... And so they go through, and that we had a little bit of issue with the ordering, and she orders the exact same thing, exact same type of stuff. She likes the chicken. Don't waste your time on chicken. Get beef, lady. But she gets the chicken. And so anyway, she gets through, gets the same burrito, sets down to eat the burrito. I'm sitting across from her. She takes one bite of the burrito, and she's chewing it, and she, I'm not kidding. She begins to cry. And I'm like, what's the matter? She's like, it's not Chipotle. (laughs) And she cried. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And you got a crying, hungry, pregnant woman. You're like, what do you do? Do you hug? Do you run? Do you just get everybody out of the room and just let her process? I don't know. But I know what we did. We went from there to Chipotle. And we got her a second burrito so that everything would be all right. But most, you know, nobody else understood how there could be that level of disappointment in one bite of a burrito. But there was a significant disappointment in that one bite of the burrito. And so, but in that, there's this place that there are things that are really big in life that will knock the wind out of you. And there are other things that... Again, only you get, only you understand that are significant disappointments. And uh, before we bought this uh, facility, bought this, bought this building, um, we uh, rented a little office space downtown on Tuig, and we officed down, downtown for, um, for up in, you know, seven and a half, eight years uh, until we bought this uh, property. And um, so we were downtown, and being downtown, um, there were a lot of people who were transients and, and homeless that would come in, and they would come in, and we, there was one guy in particular we got to build a relationship with, and he would come in, and we kept um, batteries. He loved to listen to his radio, so we kept a supply of batteries for him, and his batteries would get low, and we would ch- give him new batteries, and um, we'd keep some blankets and stuff for him. We'd keep some soft foods because he couldn't eat hard stuff, and so we would just we were building a relationship with him. And um, he would come in, and so it was around the holiday time, and I, and I saw him. I said, hey, you know, do you, have any, do you have any plans for the holiday? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't make plans. He's like, plans, plans never work out, and I can't, I can't handle the disappointment. I can't handle it, so I don't, I don't make any plans at all. And now, all of a sudden, in that moment, I realized why he... It chose to be homeless, and he did. He was very open about the fact he chose 
to be homeless. He did not like the pressure of bills. He did not like the pressure of the different stuff. He did not like making plans. And guess what, folks? You make plans all the time. To have a job and, and have a schedule of some kind, you made a plan. To know where you're going to sleep tonight is a plan. To know what you might put in your stomach, something in your pantry is a plan. We have plans all the time. And, and there's this place where we, we have an idea of what we want to do. And when it doesn't work out, disappointment comes in there. And if we don't get good at dealing with disappointment, eventually we'll begin to shy away from the things that God has really called us to. Because when it's all said and done, the enemy wants you to be less than what God created you to be. Your highest call and your highest function for humanity is to be what God has called you to be. To step into it full, fully. And this is going to make a difference in everybody's life. Not just your life, but everybody's life. We're all called to, to ministry and to, to minister to others. All of us are. Through, some of us through our occupation. Some of us through these different, different things. The way we interact with people. And so we're about to look at some of the places in the scriptures where we see... People having to deal with significant disappointment. We're going to start right here with in the life of Joseph. And Joseph, Joseph dealt with significant disappointment. And I'm not going to be able to, to give the, go through the, all of it scripturally. But there's, there's 13 chapters about Joseph in Genesis. The last 13 chapters of Genesis uh, are all about the life of Joseph. And this isn't Joseph of, of Joseph and Mary, Jesus' stepdad, Joseph. This is, this is Joseph um, who's in the lineage. And so as we look at, at in the life of Joseph, he's the poster boy for disappointment. And the thing is, is he was wired and he was called to be a trusted right-hand man. That was what he was built for. He was called to be a trusted right-hand man. And in his own household, he was. And so he was the youngest at the time that the story gets going of, of 11. And so he has 10 older brothers. He's about 17 when we pick up the story. The, his older brothers, are they're all shepherds. And dad uses baby brother because he's a trusted right-hand man to, to be the overseer for his, his older brothers. Now when you've got a guy, some guys in their 20s, 30s, and even the oldest ones in their 40s, out in the field, they don't want little teenage brother coming in and checking on them and being their supervisor. They resented him significantly. Now, he also had some dreams that he immaturely kind of touted about how things were going to play out and that he was really going to kind of be the boss over the whole thing, and they didn't like that either. So he shows up to go check on them one day, Dad has thrown favor on him and given him this coat of many colors, and they resented him for that. And so they show up, and then we see in Genesis 37, verse 28, it says, and though, So when the Midianites, Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern, out of the well, and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So here he was. He was just being good at what he was wired to do. He's just being a trusted right-hand man, just doing his job. And where did it end him up? Almost dead. His brother finally voiced and said, let's not kill him. That, that, that'd be terrible. Let's just sell him. And they sell him into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt. You would have thought that he would have said, you know what? Forget that mess. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be It doesn't get me anywhere. Nope. 
Joseph gets bought by a man named Potiphar. He rises up in Potiphar's house. He pretty soon is a slave, but he's in charge of all the slaves, all the servants. And he is, man, pretty soon it looks up. Potiphar doesn't look into and check on anything in his household. Uh, Joseph is running the whole shebang. He's running the whole house. And he's a very, very wealthy man. Here's the problem. Is uh, Joseph was uh, good looking. Good looking, young, cut. There was a gym. He was in it. He was eating lean. He was hitting the macros. He looked good. And Potiphar's wife, um, she was maybe the original cougar. And she liked him. And she had her eyes set on him, and she went after him relentlessly. The scripture said every day she goes after this young man saying, sleep with me, sleep with me, sleep with me. Yes, it's in your Bible. She goes after him. He's like, no, I can't do this. I can't sin against my, my employer, Potiphar, and I can't sin against my God. Nobody cared about the God of the Hebrews in Egypt, but he did. He did. Nobody had his religious convictions but him. But he wasn't going to let, he was going to let culture begin to tell him what was right and what was wrong. He was going to live out what he knew was right before God. He didn't care what culture said. And so he begins to move forward. And finally, she can't take it anymore. She lunges at him. She grabs his coat. And she is just, she can't take it anymore. She is overcome with lust. He has to wrench out of his outer garment and runs away. And she is so mad that she got rejected by this guy for this last time. She makes up a lie and she has his coat. Potiphar comes home and she says, honey, you won't believe what this slave of your Joseph did. He tried to rape me. And look, I've got his jacket here to prove it. And Potiphar's stuck. He's got his wife accusing his servant of trying to rape his wife. And this guy he trusts with his whole house, and Potiphar throws him into jail. So now Joseph, again, just being a good guy, been trying, he was walking with integrity. He was honoring his boss, and his boss throws him in jail. Now forget this. Forget this. It's nothing but disappointment. I try to do what I'm called to do, and it's nothing but disappointment. Nope, guess what? He's in the jail. Read the story. He ends up running the jail. He is a prisoner running the jail. As time goes by, they see that he can just be trusted. He can be trusted. He can be trusted. Pretty soon the jailer doesn't look into anything that's under Joseph's control. Joseph has an encounter with a couple of the, the, the chief guys to the Pharaoh. They get thrown in jail. He interprets a couple of dreams. One of them wasn't so good. Says, you're going to lose your head, buddy. Sorry. The other one says, no, but you're going, to be, uh, you're going to be restored. You're going to be restored. And when you do, don't forget me. Don't forget me. In fact, we see this in Genesis 40, verse 14 and 23. It says, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. It says, and the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph and forgot him. It's like, here I am. Everybody else is getting the break. Everybody else is getting their stuff, and I'm still stuck in jail. I'm just being who I'm called to be, and I keep getting forgotten and passed over and rejected. And it's disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. But then, eventually, that guy hears that Pharaoh has some dreams and says, oh, man, there was a guy in prison. He interpreted my dream, and he told me I was going to be put back your, the cup back in your hand and be your cupbearer again. And you probably ought to check on that guy. 
Sure enough, they pull him up out of prison, clean him up, bring him before Pharaoh. He says, his, Pharaoh tells him his dream. He's like, oh, Pharaoh, here's the dream. Here's what it means. Man, things are going to be really good for a little while, and then they're going to be really bad for a while, and the bad's going to eat up all the good, and you need to put somebody in charge so they can handle the good and store it up so we can get through the bad, and that's what the dream means. And Pharaoh immediately says, I don't know anybody as wise as you. You're in charge. And immediately he comes out of the prison and is set up as the prime minister of Egypt and is now the number, <clears throat> the number two guy, the right-hand man to Pharaoh himself. And he lived the rest of his days in that position. In fact, it was the famine that comes in that brings the rest of his family in and he's able to protect the ones that sold him into slavery through those times of famine. And he was called to be a right-hand, trusted man. But every other time he stepped into that, it bit him. It bit him. It blew up in his face. But he would not stop. He dealt with the disappointment. We see in Judges, we see a guy named Gideon. This is hundreds and hundreds of years later after Joseph. They've left Egypt. They've gone into the promised land. They've been in the promised land. Everything they Israel went sideways and, and things went ugly and now they're sitting there like, God, we're supposed, to be, we're supposed to be on top here. And Gideon, well, let's catch up with Gideon in verse 12. It says, and when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Man, I tell you what, Gideon is massively upset. He's like, where are you, God? If you're so good, where are you? If you're with us, where are you in all of this? And he's having an angelic conversation. In the middle of saying, where are you? He's talking to, to God's representative that's right in front of him. So many times we get so wound up in the way we think things should go, we can't miss God's presence right with it. We miss God's presence right there with us. We think it should be this way and it should be this way and it should be this way and it should be this way. And we miss. He's right here with us. He's Emmanuel. He's with us all the time. He's always with us and he will lead us and guide us. See, the thing is, is Gideon was upset because of what had happened to his ancestors. But God had a plan for him and his life. He had to be willing to step into the God's plan for him and his life. We can't just be always say, well, it's always been this way for my family. It's always going to be this way for me. No, God's got a plan for you. I don't care what has happened in your family and your, your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents. I don't care what track record it was, what kind of mess we've been handed down from generation to generation. God's got something fresh for you. And you say, okay, guess what? If God's with us, he's with us. And he goes on to say, he says, um, says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. I love that God always says that your starting point is where you are. Go in the strength you have. You don't have to undo a whole bunch of stuff. Well, guess what? You missed your exit way back there. Um, you need to do a big U.E., get back to where you were at one point in your life, and then you can follow God. No. 
It's start with the strength you have. Start where you are. That is your beginning point. It is always where you are. And disappointment will make you say, well, you know what? It didn't work out last time and it isn't going to work out this time either. No, you start with the strength you have. And then we catch up with the disciples in Luke 24. Here in Luke 24, it's a road to Emmaus. And Jesus has, has done his ministry. Jesus was betrayed, was executed, was placed in the grave, and has vacated the grave. This is post-resurrection. But it's just it's resurrection day. And here we are with these disciples on the road to Emmaus. And it says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them. And they were kept from recognizing him. And, and he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still with their faces downcast. They just, disappointment was just all over them. It says, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, this is the third day since all this took place. He was powerful. He was awesome. But they killed him. And we thought he was going to do, we thought he was going to redeem Israel. Guess what? He had redeemed Israel. And every other group of people on the planet that existed and ever would exist. They just didn't understand it. Says And so in, in addition to this, some of our women amazed us and they went to the tomb early this morning. But they didn't find his body and they came and they told us what they had seen. A vision of angels who had said to them he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But, they did not, <clears throat> but that him they did not see. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He took them line by line, went through the scriptures, and said, okay, you thought it was going to be this way, but here it had been said all along this was the way it was going to go. And gave them a reset and understood. And then they run back into Jerusalem and begin to proclaim after Jesus was revealed to them in the breaking of bread. Man, they, their disappointment had had them walking away from all of their hopes and all their dreams in Jesus. So we have to understand that disappointment happens. Everybody has had to deal with this. But we have to understand how to move forward with disappointment. And in that we have to know that God is still God. And will work things for our good. He is still God and he works things for our good. Genesis 50 verse 20. A message translation puts this at the end of Joseph's story. See Joseph had taken care of his brothers. And while dad was alive. They thought that Joseph was being dad good for dad's sake. But then dad passed away. And they're like okay now that dad's gone. He's going to kill us. And they were, they were terrified. And he calls his brothers in. And he says, don't you see? You planned evil against me. 
But God, use those same plans for my good as you see all around you right now, life for many people. He understood you planned evil. He didn't even say, oh, you made a mistake, but God turned around. He said, no, you, you, were, you planned evil. You were messed up. But God turned it for good. Even when other people, even when our disappointment is set in the fact that evil was planned. And folks, there's some mess that the enemy has and other people who are being tools of the enemy bring into our lives. And they'll feel like they wreck things. But God, if we will let him, will turn things for good. Romans 8, 28 says, we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And so the enemy would try to use our disappointments to make us lose focus on what has been appointed for you. John 15, 16 says, did you, not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you may go and bear fruit. You've been appointed to bear fruit. Your disappointment will try to make you not want to step into all the fruit that God has for you. But the fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And that fruit... It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Anybody ever here had disappointment that discouraged you from being willing to love? All of us, all of us have had disappointments. We trusted somebody, we loved somebody, we put ourselves out there. Man, it, it, it ended up in pain. We're like, well, I'm not going to love. No, we're, you are called to love. Despite the disappointments, you are called to love. Called to joy. Some of us had plans we thought were going to bring us great joy. Had disappointment come in there and try to make a step back from the joy that God had called us to. Peace. Said I can't get wrapped up in any sort of plans because it's going to rob me of my peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anybody have some disappointment make you kind of challenge your self-control a little bit? Things are supposed to go one way. And you lose another way. Um, today, if your order is messed up by your waitress, it's disappointing. Don't forget to have self-control. And you have a conversation with her. Him, whoever it may be. So you are appointed. You are appointed to receive salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God did not appoint you to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is salvation in the full. So right quick, we're just going to grab a hold of some things. First off, if you in a place of protection, have disappointment in a place of protection, Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against me will prosper. We sang it today. No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Maybe that's some, opinion, some negative opinions. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Maybe you're a little, some disappointment associated with your future. Maybe you didn't even, you, maybe you didn't even mean to be in this town. You're like, why am I even in San Angelo? This was not on my radar. How did I end up in this town? How did I end up in this place? How did I end up with this job? How did I end up with these different things? I'm uncertain about my future and, and concerned about your future. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Maybe you feel like you just can't make a good decision. You thought you made good decisions and it blew up in your face. and You feel like wisdom just eludes you. James 1.5 says, any of you lacks wisdom, you should, not, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. 
it will be given to you. Maybe there's places of you need provision. You've had some disappointment with some job or some point of provision. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Maybe in, he- in the area of health. Maybe you've got a bad report from the doctor. You're feeling some symptoms in your body that have you concerned. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our, <coughs> bore our sins in his body on the cross so that, um, <coughs> so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by his wounds you have been healed. So we just keep coming back to his promises, his promises, his promises, his promises. So in that, we focus on grace and on the goodness of God. Psalms 43, 5 says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? And why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. There are times when disappointment begins to set in and it can set in to the point that it begins to be the 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 spark to stumble down the path of depression that all of a sudden you found your soul is downcast and you come back to some place of significant disappointment maybe a relationship not going the way you thought it would maybe being passed over for a promotion maybe some other loss of of someone's life maybe something massive significant that Significant disappointment begins to unravel things. And there's a place where you have to begin to have your, let your spirit speak to your soul. Now you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And we operate letting our soul, our mind, will, and emotions control our body on a regular basis. We sit there and we go, why are you so flabby? Oh, my body. Go to the gym. And you go to the gym and you make your body work out even though you don't feel like it. And you're making a mental decision to have your body begin to come in alignment with the way your soul wants to do it. Where there's a place where our spirit has to rise up and say, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? They'll say, okay, now we do it with our soul speaking to our body. Now we have to have our spirit speak to our soul. And say, all right, spirit, speak to my soul. And say, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Rise up. There's a hope. There's a future for you. Don't you just let yourself uh, go off into, into some pit. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We'll reap a harvest. Stay with it. Keep walking this walk. Disappointments come. There's an enemy that can't stand you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus comes to give life and life more abundantly. Our bottom line is that God will turn our disappointment into an appointment to grow. If we just let him just keep working it in our lives, he'll turn it. He'll turn it. Once we begin to live in the grace and the forgiveness that God has for us, man, then... We'll see that begin to work in our life, and we'll get over a bunch of these hurdles that are holding us back. It's just the truth. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.